0: Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health, the podcast, with your host, Ryan Lampers, aka the Stelly Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hilary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. You can follow us at huntharvesthealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right,
1: let's do this. This podcast is brought to you by the Western Hunting Summit 2022, which we are holding right here in the great state of Montana in June. Uh, Some of the things that you can expect this year to get from the summit are four days of education, community, new friendships, good food, challenging experiences, and a glimpse of Montana in June, which is something you probably won't soon forget if you haven't been here. Go plug in the code HHH and save yourself a hundred bucks at checkout.
0: All right, westernhuntingsummit.com. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Doc Hillary. I am here with Ryan. And today we are going to start a new little, uh, we're going to start a new, I don't know what, what we call this, a new type of series or Topic, but you're gonna tell stories about your past hunting expeditions. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: Expeditions. Uh, yeah. Um, we're gonna, yeah, just tell a few old stories. Been throwing down some posts on the old social about the olden days, and um, uh, especially folks seem to be curious about some of those old stories, those old hunts that we used to do back in um, the old state <clears throat> where we came from before we got to the great state. And so, yeah, we're going to just handpick a few and kind of go through them and talk about them. I think, I think most people don't really care about these stories unless you live from in Washington and you're hunting over there. It's uh, for some reason it kind of excites folks hearing about kind of the days of of old and some of the things that, um, some of the opportunities over there that we've been lucky to find hunt in old Washington state back in the day.
0: Yeah. Well, you have a lot of stories. You have a, a tremendous amount of elk and mule deer stories. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with a story today and then I'm going to get Ryan to record as many stories as I can mm. and then I'll put one out. I don't know as often as I can um, because it's just fun to listen to them. And it's nice, you know, a nice short podcast where you can get a story in. So that's the kind of the new thing we're going to do. And I'm going to try to keep him on this because he's got a lot of stories. And we did the 14 day giveaway for the Western hunting summit on Instagram. And he told the story every night about a bull or a buck. And it was wildly popular and wildly successful. So, are you ready babe okay why don't you um, talk
1: up a coffee here
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is a sunday morning we went to the wild sheep montana wild sheep last night Mm -hmm. and we got home kind of late for us old folks so we had a lot of fun met some really great people yeah laughed a ton like we seem to do every year we always get set at the at the uh
1: we were at the little kids table this year
0: yeah we got the little kids table so they sold so many tickets to the banquet that there was an overflow room and we were you know um slow on our game so we bought our tickets late which means we got put in the overflow room which basically we called the they called the kids room and I
1: like the overflow room it was not 100 degrees no it was nice and cool he was radiating out of the uh the main banquet hall but
0: mm-hmm. no
1: we got we got seated with some great folks
0: yep and we just laughed and talked and had a great time all night so um we did get up and do a mountain tough workout i'm gonna give mountain tough a plug i've been wanting to do mountain tough like like the programs you know they have a app mountain tough app you can go there you can pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee and literally get every single workout they've ever put on there it's really great so we have a tv down in our workout room and they have an app for it's like on our roku tv which is awesome too and we know the guys and we live locally you know we could go to the lab that kind of thing but it just it's kind of hard with our schedules but i've always wanted to do like a consistent um, mountain tough series and so they have a new kettlebell series five days a week and we just we got up this morning uh even after our our uh, late night uh partying uh, drinking ginger <laughs> beer and water and uh we did a our number five kettlebell mountain tough workout and Ryan was literally dripping. There was just sweat dripping off of his face. It was crazy. I don't sweat like that. Like, I get hot, but I don't sweat like the dripping sweat. But you know it's working.
1: See, our downstairs is where our furnace is parked. Yeah. when we had the heat on, it gets broiling hot down there. (laughs) And we had the heat on, so... Yeah, just the room was like a sauna, and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't sweat much when I'm just out hiking, like outside, unless it's like 90 degrees, but yeah, those workouts definitely kick your butt.
0: Man, they're good. They're like 45-minute workouts and like a CrossFit-style workout, so it's four weeks kettlebells. We're going to finish that one up and probably start another one. That's my, that's kind we're of my new favorite workout app
1: for sure. They got, what? A backpack. they got a backpack workout as well. I saw on there. So we're going to, I think we're going to tackle that one next.
0: Yep. And we got a new rower for Christmas. Um, we haven't used it a whole ton cause we're, took us a couple months to get over the vid. I've used it quite a bit. You have, I haven't. It's But awesome. it's pretty nice. Like it. And, um, The other workout app that I really like is iFit because we have an elliptical and we have a rower now and they have a great app, iFit, that connects to our machines. So you can go rowing anywhere in the world. You can go hiking all over the world. You can, I don't know, tour the pyramids. You can do all this really cool stuff while you're working out, which I really like. Um... And you're learning stuff and seeing new country instead of like watching Netflix or something. I don't know, so um, that's been nice. So we're that's another app that I like. But I wanted to try Mountain Tough, and it's been pretty uh pretty good. Those guys, yeah, you got to earn it with them.
1: Yeah, well, we're starting early this year as we're prepping for the summits. Yeah, because um, generally they come out and put everybody through a pretty wicked workout mm-hmm. for the events and yeah we got we want to be ready i mean there's a lot between here and there we got a lot of spring bear hunts and things like that but well we have a trip to florida
0: stuff. where you, we have to have our bikini bodies ready and waiting for the mm. beach
1: yeah i'm thinking <laughs> more of like spring bear my spring bear body oh
0: come on and spring
1: bear body in shape <laughs> Your big steep mountains but
0: you've already gained some weight i can tell you're that it's a good workout yeah yeah and i feel way better because not working out for almost two months like consistently like i was you know i just feel this weakness like my back hurting and my knees hurting and everything it's like just one week of consistent exercise now and kind of all my aches and pains are better so that's uh that's a good benefit of that. All right, so babe, launch into the snowfield bowl. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Well, let me preface this by saying I uh, for folks that don't like me talking about Washington um, or any state, like I I think we can all agree that talking about hunts of the past, I don't think I don't think showing some old hunts off is going to bring a whole lot of folks to Washington state <laughs> as far as elk hunting it's not a destination state uh i don't know if guys actually apply for Washington state to go elk hunting maybe there's a couple that do but <clears throat> you know Washington's just a tough state for for a lot of the different um hunts um it's got some great stuff got great country um Elk Hunting East Side is is more of a tag type situation. You gotta draw and over the years, like everywhere else, tags are getting really tough to draw. Um I drew a couple East Side tags early in the early in the game when um you didn't need a crud ton of points and I never drew in any of those holy grail tags. Um, that guys apply for but I did draw a couple of east side tags way back when when the whole system changed over east side west side and um, the opportunities for chasing branched antler bulls on the east side became very very limited and it's still very limited unless you do get lucky and or not lucky but put in the the years of uh, applications and happen to get an east side tag. And I know they're every year, not every year, but every few years, they seem to cut those tag numbers down even more. So it's a struggle. Um, and that kind of drove me to hunting, you know, where you could chase, uh, you know, older age class poles, which happened to be the west side, very wide open general tag. Um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of different units and country to to chase them in so most of the years I spent chasing them on the west side and building points every every year but the goofy thing about Washington State is you couldn't even apply for an east side tag um, which is kinda where you wanted to draw one and then buy a west side elk tag you had to pick one or the other east side west side so you ended up just grabbing a point and then hunting the west side and that was how it went. (laughs) That's how I kind of ended it there. Uh now the only opportunity for you to draw an east side tag and hunt or or apply the east side and actually hunt the west side was if you drew a multi season tag. And those multi season tags eluded me. Um gosh, I wanna say I put in for ten or eleven years for just drawing a trying to get a multi season tag which would allow you to hunt either side, depending on which tag, um, and apply for each side, but I never did draw a multi-season elk tag. I seem to draw the the deer tag every year, but I uh, never did draw the, the multi-season elk tag, so long story short, I ended up hunting more west side opportunity hunts um, with everybody else and uh, dreamed of the day that I'd be able to actually draw something on the east side of the mountains. but never happened so um for folks like my buddy brock acres who still lives back in washington state uh <laughs> i am not trying to drive people to your state trust brock, me. we're just talking about every time stories.
0: you make a comment about it
1: <laughs> it's hilarious He's gonna get you with another
0: one another <laughs> my ultimate goal
1: my ultimate goal for brock is to get him to move to montana anyway so uh whatever it takes but um yeah. So that's why we're, we're just going to tell some stories from, um, fun experiences that we had in the past. It's kind of your, your typical classic. Probably a lot of folks have run into this. If they, they hunt the coast, uh, Washington, Oregon, uh, anywhere wet, rain, nasty. Uh, that's, that's kind of what this hunt was. It was, um, it was, a. Uh, chasing roosevelts on the coast in the old state of washington and we get about two weeks of uh archery season that's what they carve out for us there in the in that state um i don't know if that's changed i haven't followed up to see uh what their seasons are like these days but that's what we used to get generally a couple weeks and um I always took advantage of every day I could. So, uh, I know on this hunt, I, I got in there right out of the gates. It was early September. Um, and, uh, right from day one, it was, uh, it was a wet mess. So, uh, one thing you get used to in, uh, on the coast is hunting and weather hunting and rain. And if you don't get used to it, you're not hunting a whole lot. So, um, you know, climbing through thick brush and rain gear um it's just kind of the norm one of the things that i also utilize was uh some like hip boots i bring just a light pair of like what are those choto hippies um just a really light gore-tex pair of waders i wouldn't even wear a boot if it was just for crossing certain creeks Uh, but then i found a super lightweight um, kind of a packable boot that I could slip on over the neoprene and just slop around in some of these lowland marshes and, uh, keep my feet dry and keep my boots from just absolutely getting caked. Um, you know, gators and, and a good set of boots are great, but when you're literally post holing in muck, um, eventually it's going to catch up to you and your feet are going to get wet. So those, uh, those Chota hippies were pretty good. They worked well. Not fun to hike around in rain gear and show to hippies, Uh, but honestly, I'd I'd mostly utilize those and just those bottoms where I was just kind of slowly moving and um, not just grinding out a big hike or anything like that. So it wasn't climbing mountains or you know having uh, you know to sweat my way you know through a through a rigorous hike with hippies. It was just when I was slowly moving through these bottoms, these alder flats, these marshes, uh, these bogs. And, um, one of the things that i found back in Washington was these, these little bench bogs that, um, had the grasses, had the green, had the feed were really good. Like they traded me really well back there. Um, oftentimes, you know, it kind of have to, there's no like one recipe that works great for for elk hunting um sometimes we hunt areas where those bulls will feed up and uh the feed is on the top of the hill and then you know first daybreak, they're already moving down into the dark timber and sometimes they um they hang up and and you can actually glass them up sometimes they're already in the dark timber down below in the creek bottom by sunup. Uh, sun up um and yet some of these places are also the opposite. Some, sometimes in Washington state, I'd find that the, uh, the tops were choked with timber and rocks and uh, the feed was down on the bottoms in those boggy, marshy areas. And that's where most of the cows would settle into all night. So I would hunt those a lot and I'd look, th- look for those and seek those out. Um, and, you know, they'll go up in the morning and bed on little benches or uh, areas where there's a ridge, something with a little less pitch to it, but um, often Maine, you know, throughout the the heart of the rut there, they just stay down in the bogs. You know, those bulls would be chasing cows, Uh, those cows would hang out more uh, in those open I wouldn't say open, but flatter, boggy, marshy areas where there's just a lot of feed. And you had a whole hodgepodge of different vegetation down there from devil's club to cedar trees, alder trees, um, you know, stinging nettles, you know, blackberry bushes. It was, it's kind of a mixed bag, uh, salmon berries oftentimes. And so everything was, you know, pretty wet, pretty thick and not fun to not fun to cruise through that country, um, oftentimes, but some of the places that i found definitely just pulled the numbers in, um, especially during the rut. And, you know, you'll find these areas oftentimes it's just scouting, summer scouting or anytime scouting, any time of the year, scouting, looking for, you know, cedars that are rubbed or alders that are rubbed out, um, you know rut type areas, and often what worked best for me was where I had the combination. I was finding those a lot of those rubs, and those typically um, synced up with areas where there was some feed. Um, and often those areas weren't very big, pretty small little pockets. Um, but when you're hunting in areas of old growth, uh, there's not a whole lot of food under that canopy. So wherever there is a little flat. Uh, maybe you find some, some alders, vine maple, stuff like that. It, it kind of opened it up and those, those elk just seemed to, um, find their way into those places and they would stay there a little longer. Than, and so that's kind of where I focused my efforts. Well, um, that year it was just your classic every day. It was kind of rainy, wet, um, just hunting in rain gear, most of it. Pretty much every day, it was it was raining off and on. Sometimes it'd pour. Sometimes it'd just be that mist. Sometimes it would stop, and yet you're still kind of moving through brush, which can get you even wetter than an actual rain. Just trying to go through some of that thick cover. Um, so, like I said, living in living in rain gear, living in those uh, Gore-Tex waders, oftentimes uh, this hunt. I, I took it down to the wire, um, it was really slow. I remember big storms coming in, sitting in my shelter, waiting out these massive rainstorms where you couldn't hear anything. Everything was loud, just hard rain. So I would crawl into my, uh, back then I used a little MSR hubba. It was like a little single solo shelter that was real narrow. I uh, didn't need a whole lot of space. I could literally just plop it down on a, on a trail or an elk trail, or just a tiny little spot, um, and, um, find comfort in that. And so that hunt, man, I, I don't even know how many times I crawled into that thing to get out of the, the downpour. And then as soon as it let up, I'd, I'd get back it up and, um, and move on. But that was a rough hunt, not a whole lot of calling at all. Um. The wind, I remember at times when it wasn't raining, the wind would come in and, and it just, you just weren't hearing anything. Like you couldn't, you couldn't get location bugle to get out very far. And, um, you know, maybe even if they could hear it, you couldn't hear them when they were, you know, um, piped up or when they called back. So it was just tough. Uh, this, uh, I remember I had ended up climbing my way pretty high on the hill kind of getting away from um the boggy stuff and I left myself a a few days there uh climbed to a new area because I just wasn't getting any calling in and I'd moved around a lot during those two weeks and uh the fog settled in it was it was pretty pretty intense um I had two days left and I decided to go down to this little bog that I haven't looked at um and just hope and pray that it wasn't too noisy and the wind wasn't ripping down there enough to, um, keep my call from kind of echoing through this basin. and hope, hoping to get a call back. Um, so that's what I did. I, I kind of pulled camp, ended up down well below where I expected to, um, ever be on this hunt, but uh, there was a little boggy, somewhat low flat spot. And I um, we remember sitting in this patch of alders. And at this point, you know, it's, it's, I got one day left. It's very grim. Like this hunt just hadn't worked out very well. It didn't have any good opportunities. I never even came close. And I heard, I pitched a location bugle. From this little opening, where I felt my my sound could get away from this canopy and and echo through this basin, and and I heard something way, way, way out there. It's real faint. Um, and so that gave me a little bit of hope. Um, and I didn't know, you know, when that next storm was going to come in and just kind of lay down a racket of rain on on everything. So I sprinted. I took off down. I ended up uh, coming across this massive giant Creek and, uh, had to find a way across it. Um, even my, my hip boots weren't going to get me across this big old thing. Um, they just weren't tall enough. So much rain had come down that the, uh, the drainage was just flood, not flooding, but high dirty water and just no way to cross this thing. So it took me a while, I ended up finding this big old slick log that I just kind of scooched my butt across and got to the other side. And then sprinted through this flat. Um and uh kind of got to where I felt like I would be within, you know, earshot of this bull where I thought I'd heard him. And so I started, you know, doing a few calf calls and just to, uh, play the slow game, see if I couldn't, couldn't get him in. And, um, I, I remember setting up on this, this big, there was stinging nettles all over the place in this one spot, big giant cedar trees and just kind of like a layer of stinging nettles around this opening. And, um, I ended up catching a glimpse. I was just doing some light cow calling or calf calling and, um, And I caught a glimpse of some movement way out and kind of focused in on that, got my bow ready. And, uh, here comes this bull. He's coming in quiet and, uh, not, I mean, not a word. I had, I wouldn't have caught that little glimpse of him coming through the scrub. I would have never probably got this bull, but, um, he, uh, he kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And, um, I, And so, <laughs> so that bull, sorry, I had to take a little break there. We'll have to edit that out. Um, all right. So I caught a glimpse of this bull and, uh, fortunately, because if I'd have kept pushing, he probably would have busted me, but he was coming in quiet and he, Yeah, you know, this is, this is early. Now well, it's probably, I wish I had the dates in my head, but it's probably, not quite mid September at this point. Um, but there's only a day left in the hunt. So um, you know, this bull is coming in and and I had him kind of hang up out there. He's about fifty yards out and he's hanging up, and he's kind of looking for the cow, you know, the calf that's making that sound. And um for the longest time he's just kind of staring a hole out in this empty space, and I'm backed up against a big old giant cedar tree and uh i don't have a shot at that time well he decided i could tell he was just kind of like he wasn't spooked or anything like that he was just going to circle downwind and so he he was going to hang at that probably 50 yard ish uh area and circle around me well he started circling i was able to get my bow drawn um when he kind of went behind another big old cedar fortunately there's giant old growth cedars in this in this basin And, um, and he got around that cedar and, and, uh, quick cow called, stopped him on a dime. And it was a, it was a good shot. It's 50 yards. It's still, it's still the longest shot I've ever taken on a bull. Um, not that 50 yards is a long shot, but, um, I knew if I wasn't going to take, if I was going to get that bull, I was going to have to take that, uh, take what he was gonna give me. It was only a matter of time before he got downwind and and he was gonna bust me, but yeah i ran uh I ran an arrow through both lungs at fifty, and man, that bull I, he didn't hardly go anywhere, and I saw him tip over. Uh, I was kind of like you know ducking and dodging, trying to keep eyes on him as he's running away and and he's kind of s- slowed down and then just slowly tipped over and couldn't believe it like a hunt that had gone so badly weather just conditions nothing was working out to all of a sudden i just had a bull on the ground like just from just from this one faint bugle um it was absolute nothingness to i got a dead bull laying out there at about 100 yards from where i'm standing um so i went over there uh, I don't have any good pictures of this bowl. Everything was so wet. Everything was wet. I mean, this is, this is back when, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't rocking a TP or a, a stove. I had no way to really dry out unless I was just trying to get a, a wet fire going middle of the day and try to dry my stuff out, which was difficult. Um, just because it had been so wet for so many days in a row that. Uh, just finding dry wood was, was a challenge. So, um, everything was just pretty much soaked at this point. And so I I broke that bull down and got it somewhat hung up, um, the best I could. And I'm running out of daylight really fast. And, uh, and so I, what I, I think I forgot to mention, I had dropped all my gear on the other side of that Creek. And so, you know, I had my headlight, but I had hardly anything else. So all my, my shelter, um, my sleep system, everything was on the other side of that Creek. And I'd come a little distance from that, from that Creek. And so now I'm running out of daylight and this place is absolutely choked thick in places. So I knew I needed a little bit of daylight to, uh, to try to find my way back to that log. Um in all my haste I didn't lay a good track down. Um back then I didn't have a uh anything flagged to get myself back to that log. So I had to kind of go by braille and find that point where I crossed over. So got my meat hung quickly, best I could, and then uh just sprinted and ended up making it back, found the log, you know not right away but i ended up finding it got to the other side of the creek kind of went i don't know 150 yards off the creek and got a little flat spot and, and set up for the night and um that night i don't think it could have rained any harder than it did um you know weather came in it was it was a mix of mist fog rain wind everything um And, you know, even when it stopped raining, just the amount that was coming off from the canopy of trees was, was nuts. So that next morning got up, um, you know, I'm sleeping pretty wet, trying to get as much dried off in my sleeping bag as I possibly could back then with the gear that I had. Um, and so basically getting up, still running wet socks, uh, just no way to dry them out. Everything was too damp. Uh, got back across that log and I carried my bow with me back across. I don't know why I did. Um, you know, but I, but I kept it with me and had a, had an empty pack, uh, left all my gear camp, obviously on that side, I had to come back that way anyway. So I was just going out to, to grab meat and haul it to the other side where my camp was. Um, and so I, I get down to the river and I had seen some bear tracks. I don't know, they're probably 50 yards or so away from where my camp was that night. And I see some bear tracks look pretty fresh going right through the, the uh, kind of the, uh, it's kind of a rocky, sandy mix of, um, riverbed. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. You know, you see quite a few bear tracks in that country. And I ended up getting back over across the log and I'm heading straight for the meat. And, um, and I get, I don't know, I get to within probably, I don't know, maybe 150 yards of where that carcass is. And I see a big old bear and he is, he doesn't see me. He is on a straight, straight line, right to where my carcass is. Um, You know, fortunately, he didn't find it the night before and park it on there. And then I, you know, I had meat hanging right next to it. Um, But I actually caught him in route to the carcass. And so I had a bear tag in my pocket at the time. So I was pretty, pretty excited. Like, hey, man, I think, I think I could actually double up here and grab a bear um, before he even gets to that carcass. And so... know, kind of snuck through the woods, um, got a little bit ahead of him. He was kind of being pretty cautious. He wasn't, he wasn't just sprinting to that thing. And and I ended up getting around him. Uh, nice thing in, in that country is you can be pretty dang quiet, uh, with just the softness of, um, the ground, you know, there's just a layer of, of green. So I got to, uh, I got to a spot where I got to I got a, actually got a shot on this bear. I was 50 yards. Um, and man, I thought I had this thing. I let an arrow go. Everything felt perfect. And last second, that arrow deflected and that bear took off. Um, obviously I went over, checked, made sure found my arrow, uh, didn't connect with him, but, um, uh, just a blown opportunity for me. I had, I had him there and just, a uh, you know, oftentimes, in that dark can under that dark canopy you don't see limbs um, until you you start walking through and you see what happened but yeah they, it, it caught a limb it, it could have caught several limbs between me and the bear but um, right at the last second it it grabbed one and it spun my arrow off and so I didn't I didn't end up getting that bear but I got over and ended up Grabbing that meat, Fortunately, like I said, that bear hadn't found it in the uh, the carcass because I, hey, he probably would have ran off of the carcass and I could have got my meat anyway. But you never know. Um, you know, I never used to pack a pistol or spray or anything like that hunting. You know, the the west side of Washington, so it was just my bow. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting all that meat back, shuttled across slid it over on the log, uh, got it to the other side and, and started making trips and, uh, got that bull out. Um, took a few days to get all the meat out of there. It was a, it was a long trek in to where that little flat spot of the basin was. And, um, yeah, ended up being successful on a hunt that, you know, with a few days left, you're, you're pretty much convincing yourself that it's just not going to happen. Like there's nothing else you can do. Uh, and yet that one faint bugle, um, when the weather broke a little bit and I could hear is all it took. And, uh, you know, a quiet bull coming in the 50 yards, letting an arrow loose and, uh, ended up filling that tag that year. So, um, it's quite a feeling of accomplishment when you're able to do a really hard hunt where nothing is going your way. And then all of a sudden, like Bing, bang, boom. You've got a bull down and you did it. Uh, that's a hard one to describe unless you've had it happen, I think. And, um, and it's, it, for whatever reason, can't explain why, but it seems to happen a lot, uh, especially in the elk woods. You know, it can just be an absolute struggle fest. And then um, 10 minutes later, you had a bull uh, break loose, race in, gave you a shot, and he's down and you're just kind of left with, wow, that, that just happened that fast. Um, and I can remember a dozen times in the elk woods where that same scenario has happened, where it's just, you just weren't expecting it. And, um, from going from absolute slow to dead bull on the ground. So, um, yeah, that's the story. It's another story from an old Washington hunt. Uh, I've got I've got quite a few stories just similar to that where, uh, you're kind of just fighting through weather, um, you know, things aren't happening. And then, and then lo and behold, you get an opportunity and take advantage of it. So, so uh, I guess to wrap this up, um, you know, I don't know, I, I think I'll probably continue to talk about a few more Washington bulls just to piss Brock Akers off over there because he loves me talking about Washington state so much. Um, But again, I'm not, I'm not talking about Washington as if it's some destination hunt or it's easy or anybody should go there to hunt. It's not easy at all. It's, uh, it's pretty dang difficult. There's far better places to hunt than uh, the west side of Washington state, but uh, I think if you're if you're a guy that lives there and you put in the time, and you you can find those little honey holes and and you're willing to just grind in day you know grind it out day in day out, never give up, um, be ready to uh, hunt you know through weather and rain and and all that that Washington State usually throws at you, you know in the end. Um, you're going to fill some tags and and probably with some pretty decent bulls uh, because that's kind of what, that's how I, that was my uh, experience with Washington state was nothing ever came easy over there. It was just, uh, they all seemed to be grinded out type hunts and um, it would have been real easy on a lot of those to just quit, go back to the truck, go back and start telling everybody how lousy it was. Um, you know, there was people there, it was the weather sucked or the elk weren't talking. And those are all excuses that we've all used. But I think, uh, I think just if you can, if you can keep pushing and and do everything you can and try to stay positive, take it down to the end. The very last day, oftentimes, um, success was just so, so much closer than you thought it was probably, um, because like I said, A lot of those hunts are absolute horrible, uh, very slow situations. And then 10 minutes later, you got a bull down. And if you would have quit 10 minutes before that, you would have went back telling all your buddies about how slow it was and how you just ran into people everywhere and how the elk weren't talking. So I think if you can fight through that and, you know, take it down to the end, don't quit. Now, obviously not every hunt's going to go your way you're not going to fill every tag every year it's just not going to happen but more often than not i think folks would be surprised that um you know you keep pushing right down to the very last bit of the time that you've got allotted that you can take off good things happen in the end